Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Period Chats podcast. As always, I always say I'm excited when we log on, but I genuinely am excited for every single guest we have. But we have a friend coming on today, Madeline Hollern, and she is going to be talking to us about her egg freezing journey, which I know you all have been really curious. We get a lot of questions and I'm honestly not the egg freezing expert. So I thought, what a better idea than to bring someone on who's actually gone through it. So Madeline, introduce yourself, tell us about you, and then let's jump into your journey. Oh my gosh. Hi. Well, I'm Madeline Hollern. I'm executive editor at Austin Monthly. I'm 37 years old and I froze my eggs this past spring. Okay. So just like off the bat, what, like when you were, because it's it's a decision I think a lot of people think about for a long time. Mm -hmm. One, we're probably going to go over this. It's expensive. Two, it's a procedure. And three, like it's hard to kind of like make the leap, but what made you be like, okay, this is it. This is my year. Actually, let me tell everyone how we met. So okay. this is actually super cool. So we were at a free people movement event. It was like a manifestation event. We were making these like beautiful vision boards, which I think it's crazy how many things on that vision board I made at that event have come true in like weird ways. But I looked mm-hmm. over and like Madeline and I were just chatting and then she brought up like, oh, fertility was on there. And we started talking about egg freezing. So this has literally been an integral part of our friendship. It really had. That's how we met. I feel like it's such a conversation starter. Well, first of all, I have so many things to say. I don't even know where to begin. I do feel like the pandemic kind of cracked everybody wide open where people will have really vulnerable conversations, even with veritable strangers that maybe they wouldn't have a couple of years ago. At least I, for me, it felt that way where it was just a really raw time of like, what do I want? What do I need? What do I envision for my life? So it's crazy that I had known you for like three minutes and I'm telling you all about like how I was at the time, you know, considering freezing my eggs. Um, But yeah, I mean, just basically I'm, you know, in my mid thirties, mid to upper thirties at this point, I've always, always known that I wanted to have kids. Uh, There are some things in life I'm not sure about, but I was always sure I wanted to be a magazine editor, to be a writer. And I've always been sure that I wanted to have kids. So I'll start with that. I have a lot of friends who are like, well, maybe, and it depends. Like for me, it was non-negotiable. This is something that I want to do. I want to at least try to do, whether I end up adopting or having stepkids, no matter the situation, I know that I want to have kids. So (laughs) with that in mind, uh, I was in a four-year-long relationship that ended in the midst of the pandemic, which was obviously really devastating, especially being in my mid-30s. But, you know, I was examining my options and I had different friends who were talking about egg freezing. And it does seem like the type of science that has really grown in the last decade. I don't know the exact sciences of it, but I feel like people are talking about it. And just anecdotally, it seems like it's really changed, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I'm learning more and more because I'm like approaching 30 and I'm in the boat that a lot of your friends are in where I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things where it is, it seems to be a growing field where a lot more people are advancing in research and wanting to do it and it's becoming more affordable. But but I want to circle back to, you're so right about the vulnerability of everyone getting cracked open during the pandemic. Like, the fact that we even had that conversation and like, it's so cool that you're like so open and sharing. Cause I think that a lot of people like want to talk about this and want to talk about fertility and egg freezing and, but they just don't feel comfortable. So yeah, yeah. one, I think the science is improving too. I think it's awesome that you 
are talking about this because, I mean, so many of us are in that boat of like, where's our fertile window? When can we optimize it? And how can we also do all the other things we want to do in our lives? Yeah, definitely. And for me, going into becoming single again around the age of 35, it adds an element into dating. I heard someone talk on a podcast of like women trying to find a mate in their mid-30s is sort of like being in a basketball game. If the shot clock is counting down, the type of shot you would make is maybe different than like if you had all the time in the world. And that really resonated with me. So I didn't want to infuse that element into dating of we need to meet and we need to fall in love and we need to have babies in a month. Right now. <laughs> right. I think that that really just does not bode well for like building a great connection. Uh, so I, you know, there were all kinds of reasons why I decided to do it. Um, and listen, not an easy decision. I will say straight up, it was financially very taxing, emotionally taxing, physically taxing. And I would do it again, 100%. But like, was it an easy decision to make? Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, I think the honesty is truth. Because like, I think a lot of times when we're having this conversation, it's like, oh, it's the best thing I ever did. It was easy. It's all worth it. And like, I think that's important to recognize, like, it takes a toll on you. So let's just jump in there. So when you're looking at something like this, does insurance help you out? Does, in your experience, what was the insurance process like? Because I feel like that's the first question I get is like, oh, well, is my insurance going to cover? And I know everyone's insurance is different for everyone listening. I know. Mine didn't cover it at all. Um, And I had, you know, people being like, just go work at Google for a year. And I'm like, anyone who knows me knows I'm like the least tech savvy person on earth. That was not going to happen. I have my absolute dream job. You know, I insurance doesn't cover it. And for a lot of people, it doesn't. For some, it does. If it does, I, I suspect as time goes by, more and more insurances will be covering at least portions of this. But mine didn't cover it at all. So, you know, that was a, certainly a consideration for me. But the reason that I decided to go ahead and do it is one of my friends did it. And I heard about how you could go in and get do some kind of initial testing where they test your AMH levels, your anti-malarian hormone. And it's sort of a bellwether of how many follicles slash eggs you might be willing to get and the quality of your eggs. And and because, you know, you're born with a certain amount of eggs and then they that number just goes down from the time you're born. And Which it's a lot different. of people don't know that, that like you, when you're like in your mother's womb, have the mm-hmm. finite amount of eggs that you're going to have forever. And being on birth control doesn't save those eggs. Like a lot no. of people, like even if you're not ovulating, like you're still losing those eggs. Yeah. I have to say, I mean, there were so many learning curves in this whole process. And looking back, I'm like, why were we like learning square dances and crazy mathematical formulations in school, but we weren't learning basics about fertility and periods and sex education and eggs and like all of this stuff that affects all of us so wildly. And I I don't know, it's just unfathomable to me. Some of the things they taught in school versus real life practical things like how to do your taxes and how to get pregnant and how to not get pregnant and things like that. I don't know. It was very eye-opening for sure. It is. Okay. So you go in. So did you go in and have that testing done? Was that like base one or step one? Yeah. So I went in last December um, and they did a blood test and they did an ultrasound and it was a... at the very beginning parts of egg freezing, I feel like it was so much bad news one after another. I remember, you know, when I got the results back, it was like 
my AMH level was low and there weren't a lot of follicles and it just immediately seemed like this thing of, you know, I literally started joining like infertility, you know, Instagram accounts and blogs. And it's crazy because the number of eggs you have doesn't have any bearings on the likelihood of getting pregnant. But all of it to me just felt so scary and so just affirming of like, this isn't going to happen for you. And I, I remember just like bursting into tears almost every time I left the doctor's office because it feels so vulnerable and so intimate, you know? Um, but yeah. yes, my number was a little bit lower. And again, this is, there's nothing you can do to affect this, right? Like it's, you're born that way. It's not like, uh, you know, I was always like top of my class. I was always a high achiever. There's no like achieving your way into having more eggs. It's just like genetics, I guess. Which that's a really interesting point about fertility because I think that something like that our culture, the way we talk about it has done mentally to us is like, if I can't do this thing that my body's designed to do, then I'm not like, it's a me problem, which yeah. is so interesting that it's been framed that way. Like one, it takes two to tango. Fertility is often 50-50. And then two, on top of that, just like you said, like, this is how you were born. It has nothing right. to do with what you've done. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. I think that that gets skipped over a lot. Sure. Yeah. And there are obviously things that you can do, you know, certain food, which we can talk about. I have this hair that keeps falling here. <laughs> certain foods that, you know, you can eat and things that you can do to increase, you know, to help egg quality and fertility. And there are things that you can do. But just in terms of the number of eggs you're born with, that you, you're just, it's genetic. You're just, you know, born with that amount. So I felt like from the jump, it felt like not great news. But I think in some ways that did propel me because I was like, okay, now I feel more certain than ever that if I want to make this happen, I want to be proactive about it. Um, but even with that, I went in, I mean, it's literally been almost a year now. It was uh, the end of last December that I went in and I hemmed and hawed about it for two months. And then I remember on February 22nd, 2-22-22, there was something about that day and like the numbers and the energy where I just was like, I'm going to do this. Like I just made that decision and signed the paperwork and decided to do it. Okay. That's so, and I'm a big believer in like when things feel right and like yeah. that's the day that felt right for you and you made that decision. And what did that look like after you made that decision? First of all, how did you feel? how do you feel after you're like, I'm going to do this? So excited and so terrified at the same time. Um, but I was really lucky that my best friend had just gone through egg freezing and she'd had sort of a traumatic personal experience in the months before she had done that. So I was sort of um, emboldened by if she could get through this and she could do this, I feel like I can do it too. Um yeah, it was really scary. I think for me, I completely had to finance the entire thing. So it was, you know, there were financial implications for it. And, you know, you don't know. There is no guarantee if you go through it that you'll get any eggs. There's no guarantee that you'll ever even end up using the eggs. The eggs might not work. I mean, there is no money back guarantee on this, which feels unfair, but it's just, it's the reality of it. So I really wanted to be certain in my decision, but there was something about the energy of 2-22-22 where I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do it. That's amazing. Okay. So then you did it and you're feeling yeah. excited and scared, but yeah. ready. Yes. What happens next? What happens after you sign those papers and you're like, all right, I'm freezing my eggs. Let's go. Well, the, initially I decided to start it 
um, in the second half of South by Southwest. And anyone who knows me. I remember this. And you were so busy. You had like five events a day. So anyone who knows me knows I'm, you know, the brand ambassador for the magazine. So I cover events and I go to events. I would say it's not unreasonable to think I go to 300 events a year. That is like, that sounds crazy, but I literally go to events every night, sometimes multiple in a night. And I don't know why I thought it would be a good idea to start in the middle of South by. Eventually I realized this is too much. I can't start it. So I ended up starting it a month later in April. And it was really interesting. My first round of egg freezing got canceled eight days in, which I'll I'll unpack how that happened. But it was really a tale of two cycles because the first cycle, I felt like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And the second cycle went perfectly. And I ultimately finished it out in May. Um, But yeah, that's the sort of interesting thing is everybody's bodies are different. You know, when you think about birth control, I've had friends try certain birth control pills that made them feel crazy or made them hormonal or made them have breakthrough bleeding. And then other friends who've tried the exact same pill that works perfectly for their body. And is the kind of the same thing for this, where, you know, the medicine can affect different people differently. It will affect people differently. So it was really interesting to see. Yeah. And that's such a good point. Like we're so individual that like one recommendation to the next isn't going to be the same. Um, Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what, what do you like, what went wrong in the first one and how did that, like, you've made this decision, you've made this investment. And then now you're like, okay, I'm still getting more frustrating news. Like, how did that go? Yeah. So I really feel like every time I left the doctor's office, I would burst into tears. (laughs) And I'm not really that much of a crier, but it is just a mix of pumping your body full of hormones. And then also just you know, it is the process where you're going basically. So here's how it works. Um, And I was really lucky that my friend who works in medicine was administering the shots for me. Um, So every day I was doing two different shots directly in my stomach. Once every three days, I would do a blood test where they would check my hormones. And then once every three days, they would do a transvaginal ultrasound where they would check and see the follicles that were you know, in there and growing the, you know, the follicles are like the eggs and see how big they were growing. And um, essentially it turned into this Goldilocks thing of like some follicles weren't growing fast enough and some were growing too fast. And you kind of need to be in this sweet spot for retrieval because if they get too big, you can't use them. But if they're too small, you can't use them. So in the midst of this process, they were growing at disparate rates and and it hit a point where they were basically like, you're only going to get like two eggs out of this, which is, I mean, it's nothing. Like that's not, that's not enough. That's not enough of a guarantee. Well, it's um, like a recommended amount. Did they give you like, this is how many we would like to get in each retrieval? So it depends completely on how old you are. And of course, and again, genetics. When they had first brought me in, I think they had seen nine follicles and they were like, in all likelihood, you would get six eggs out of that, which my friend had gone through the process and she had ended up with 13. So from the jump, I was like, I'm already looking at half. And again, it's not competitive, but you do. I mean, we all do this baseline thing of like, she got 13 and I might only get six. Uh, So then to have gone from thinking I was going to get six to that first cycle when they're saying, well, if you're lucky, you're going to get two. I'm just like, two at like that that's not enough you know um and and trying to figure out well should I keep going with it what should I do and 
The thing that was wild about the whole process is I assumed that they would give me a book this stacked this high of, you know, there's that book, what to expect when you're expecting. Like I wanted a book of like what to expect when you're egg freezing. And they really weren't doing much of that. And I don't know if that's because people get heady when they have too much information and maybe it's better not to know everything. But, you know, I'm like an eternal student. I want to know all the ins and outs and the science and how can I optimize this experience? And a lot of it, I felt very much sort of in the dark, which I think they may do on purpose. And I'm going on all kinds of tangents here. I can't even no, remember. No, the tangents are like the great. Like, <laughs> if the tangents yeah. great, because it's like, but it's like the your raw experience of like, this is what it was like. And like, it is interesting in general when it's like, you're going through this like expensive, taxing, amazing, beautiful process, but you're not really given any guidance. You're just kind of like, do this. And then like, I think when things start to not go the way you had planned or the way you had hoped, then you're like, I wish I had more information because I just, I didn't even know that it was possible for it to not go the way I wanted, you know? Right. Of course. Yeah. I hit a point where I realized every time I would go into the doctor's office, it would be so much information and it would be so overwhelming that I would leave and forget 80% of what they'd said. So I'm a, you know, career journalist. So I started being like, is it okay if I record what you're saying? Because I don't want to forget or I don't want to, you know, have somebody ask me, well, what are you supposed to do now? And I'm like, well, I don't know. So yeah, they literally would let me like record the instructions and the different status of things because it would be so stressful and overwhelming sometimes that I would just leave and, you know, how you can kind of like black out a little bit where it's just like, I don't even know what they just said in there. Well, and there's like the element of the doctor's office and the element of the every time you've been going in there, it wasn't, it wasn't like not yeah. necessarily good news. And so then like your body's automatically like it feels those things even before we can even like mentally acknowledge them. So yes. that's a great idea. If anyone listening, see if you yeah. can record. Like, I mean, that's a great I idea. them, I didn't want them to think I was being shady. I was like, I'm not going to, you know, put this anywhere. I just want to remember. And they're like, of course, that's totally fine. Um, so yeah, the first round, it just, it felt like I kept getting lower numbers or less follicles or things weren't growing at the right rate. The first day there was instructions on how to like mix and set up these injections by yourself, but they sent me the wrong instruction video. So my friend was on the phone with her friend that she had gone to PA school with and they couldn't figure it out. And I'm like, if two medical professionals can't figure it out, what chance do I have? And what if we mix the medicine wrong? And then I'm out all this money. And it's just, it, you know, it was overwhelming. Like, I don't want to sugarcoat. The process at times felt really stressful, but it was also beautiful and so bonding and, um, you know, ultimately worked out in the end. So I would absolutely encourage people to do it, but I don't want anybody to think like, oh, this is just a walk in the park. Like, it's a ton of needles. It's a ton of hormones. It's a ton of money. It's a lot, but I, I do think it's worth it. I think it's great. You had someone who's a medical prof professional helping you too, because it's like, that is overwhelming. Like I worked in a hospital and I had a friend going through it too. And I remember being like, that like is a lot for you to expect someone to do who doesn't have any medical training. Yeah, a lot of my friends who have done it were literally giving the injections themselves. And I don't consider myself afraid of needles, but something about the idea of giving myself a shot, especially in my stomach, like just, I, I, it felt overwhelming and scary to me. So I was so lucky to have my friend there administering the shots, you know, providing emotional support. I mean, she was just an absolute angel through the whole thing. We love that. That's amazing. Okay, so that's the one that didn't go well. Now tell yeah. us... What was different about the one that did go well? 
So basically, they were like, here's the deal. You can keep going with this and we can hope that these eggs grow at a more uniform rate or we can go ahead and retrieve the two eggs that are ready or what we recommend is that you do this all over again. And I had already spent $15,000 for the first round and I was like, I don't have another 15000 to spend. I didn't have the first 15000 to spend. And they were like, well, luckily, you know, you'll have to pay for the additional medication and ultrasounds, but we haven't done the retrieval yet or any of that stuff. So it really was only going to be 5000 more, which is absolutely nothing to sneeze at. But 20000 total I could do versus if it was going to be 30000 I was just like, I, I just don't even know if I even want to do this at this point. But I went ahead and decided to do it. So basically, they were like, now that we see how your body reacts to all these hormones, we're going to pre-treat you with estrogen pills that you're going to take. I think it was like two weeks ahead of time, maybe 10 days ahead of time. And it's so wild because I'm like, why would that even affect it? And it completely changed the whole thing. And the second round went really well. And ultimately, at the end, I ended up with eight eggs, which initially I thought six was my top number. So it ended up better than what I expected. Um, So yeah, I mean, the first round felt really traumatic and like just confusing and stressful. And the second round went really smooth. So I'm so grateful for that. That's amazing. Okay, so you got eight. And so what was the actual like, okay, the day everything's gone well, you know, you're going to have the retrieval. What was the actual day of the retrieval like? Well, uh, my parents brought me in because, you know, they put you under during the procedure. So I don't remember anything of the procedure. I remember thinking my anesthesiologist was like kind of attractive and thinking like, this would be a really funny time to like, and then you're under when someone is like, my legs are in stirrups and I'm like, you put under, but you know, you got to shoot your shot, right? Uh (laughs) Yeah. Hot anesthesiologist. Uh We love it. Yeah. Um, I had heard certain people say that they had pain or a lot of discomfort afterwards. I really did. I, you know, I came home and I slept for several hours, but uh, really the second round and the retrieval went totally optimally. And even going into the retrieval, they were like, well, you're going to get between, I forget what they said, like five and eight or something like that. So I was thinking, well, I'll probably get six. And then I ended up getting eight, which felt like, you know, all my friends are like, like we're all like having a party. I mean, it was it was interesting having, and it really does take a village. And I feel like so many of my friends and people I knew and even like people I had been dating at the time were like so supportive. And uh, it was a wild experience. But, you know, ultimately in May, we did the retrieval and everyone was just, I guess it's all expectations or expectations, if you will. But ultimately the number ended up being higher than what I had thought it was going to be. So we, you know, we were all just pleasantly surprised. That's amazing. Okay, well, that's great. And like, it is tough because you were in a situation where you're like, I already spent all this money and all this time and all this energy. Like, do I just stop or keep going? And then you ended up getting more. Yeah. Plus more. Okay, so I have a question. You may not know the answer to this because I genuinely am kind of gumming into this a little blind. So can they, I know, obviously they can't test the embryo, but because it's not there yet. But can they test the eggs for like viability or like how does that work once they retrieve the eggs? Is there any, do they go through testing? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know either. And I couldn't find an answer online. I should know that. Um, It seems like more of the testing is later. Yeah. They just made a really big deal about the size. Like if they're this size, they're too small to be viable. And if they're this size, they're like rotten eggs. So it was all about like, I forget what it was like. 16 millimeters to 22 millimeters. There was some sweet spot. It's been, you know, six months since I've done this, but there was some sweet spot 
for the follicles of what, you know, the size that they wanted them to be. But the whole thing, they're throwing terms at you that you don't even know. When I started my second uh, round, which went great, except for one time, because, you know, you're going in every three days. So it kind of depends on your cycle and the calendar. Well, one time on a weekend, they had me go in. It was not my normal doctor. It was a male doctor, not a lot of bedside manner. I referred to him as Lurch. Um, and he walked in, he did an ultrasound and he was like, okay, okay, quiet ovaries, got it. And walked out of the room. And I'm like, quiet, what does that mean? Quiet, quiet, oh, quiet ovaries. And then he came back in and I was like, quiet ovaries, what does that mean? He's like, oh yeah, hey, don't worry, that, that happens early, it's fine. Didn't explain it. So I go home and I'm desperately Googling what are quiet ovaries? What are quiet ovaries? And of course, the internet, half of the internet was like, you know, that means that there's nothing in there and there's no follicles and you're screwed. And then the other half of the the internet was like, that means that there aren't any polyps or there aren't any, you know, things that could get in the way. And it's a good thing, which are literally two opposite answers. I still have never determined what quiet ovaries means. Um, but it, it, scared the hell out of me and just stuff like that where they're throwing out these terms and I'm like well what on earth does quiet ovaries mean is that a good thing is that a bad thing ultimately I I I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing I don't think it was a bad thing but you know it's these doctors are dealing with women all day long who are at their most emotional vulnerable strip literally stripped down emotionally and physically um, and I, it's a lot, you know, and some doctors are better than others at kind of like comforting you through that. But I'm sure they get calls all throughout the day of women crying and freaking out and having questions. And I don't know. I mean, the whole process is not seamless. I do feel like there probably could be companies that could do it better in the future. I also don't understand why they don't have concierge services where literally nurses will come do the injections for you, ask any questions that you have, like literally like come to your house. If services like this exist or don't exist, they should, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point because like that's a huge barrier for people is like the actually like doing all this and all the questions. And like, then you're like sitting there the whole weekend, like freaking out about this. And it's like taking so much of your peace and people underestimate how much hormones are gonna impact. Like they literally disrupt your, um, neurotransmitters. So yeah, our brains also like when our hormones are changing, or our hormones are elevated, or they're too low, it impacts what you think. And so no, you're not crazy. It's literally like you are really experiencing this is a real thing. Like your yeah. brain is experiencing a different version of yourself. And there were comical moments, you know, at one point, my friend who was doing because you do the injections at the same time every single night. At one point, my friend was like, well, I have a dinner at 6 p.m. And I'm like, I'm coming to meet you at Jeffrey's. I'm putting one of these injections like on ice. And I met her in jail. Like I pulled up to the valet and I was like, I need to leave my car here. And I have this like bag full of injections. I felt like a drug dealer, you know, (laughs) and we went into the bathroom at Jeffrey's and she injected, you know, the two injections into my stomach and like, that's what you had to do. I mean, I literally was out with a guy at a concert uh, the night where I needed my shot that was going to trigger, trigger, trigger ovulation, which they don't know the date of that until like it's time. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I need to leave this ACL live taping, walk to my friend's house, get the injection and came back and met up with him. I mean, it was a wild experience. That is wild. And how did that work with you always being at like for work, you know, you've got to be at events and you're out and like, you're such a social person. Like, was that tricky? Like trying to like time everything? 
Totally. But, you know, you make it work. I mean, some events I would just come later or some events I wouldn't do at all. Obviously, putting so much time and emotional energy into this, this was my number one priority. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy just to time it all out. I mean, I have a friend who's on TV and she uh, who lives in Austin and she was talking about when she did it one time, she brought her injections on ice and like went to go see this musical. And when the time was right, just went in the bathroom and did her own injections, which again, I props to the women that can do their own injections. I like something about it. You have made me just very like squeamish kind of, and I've never had a problem with needles. And I will say if anybody is afraid of needles, whoo, it's a lot of needles because you're doing injections, you're doing blood tests. Like, so if you have needle phobia, I suggest maybe try to write a little bit younger, but or, you know, work on, work on working through that. We phobia. need to find a concierge service, you know, like, so then like people who have needle phobia, they can do the concierge service. I really, I, the fact that this doesn't exist or if it does, and I don't hear more about it, I think people would pay good money for it and should, because I just kept being afraid of what if we mix the medication wrong and then, you know, things don't go. Cause everything has to be so precise. That final ovulation shot, it's like it had to be timed. I forget what it was, 24 hours or 30 hours, like before the retrieval, like to the minute. It was wild. So how many of these, like how long were you doing the shots for? Is it like one cycle that you're doing them for? What's that look like? It was pretty quick. I think it started on like, it starts on day three of your period. And then if you think about it, you ovulate, you know, on day 14. So it's about two weeks. So, yeah, it was like, you know, 10, days. 10, 11, 10, 11 days. Yeah. Which doesn't seem like a lot. Like when I saw it on the calendar, I'm like, this is nothing. Like we're going to be done with this. And I mean, it, it it is only 10, 11 days, but it's, it's a whole process. I had bruises in my stomach. Obviously, you know, you feel very hormonal and um, it was a lot for sure. And you have to shit, like you don't even realize like how much freedom you have in your day. And then you're like, oh, I have to do this at this time. And like, right. Rearranging. So yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing your entire process. So now do the eggs get stored in like, is it like freezer facilities or like, how does that work for storage? Yeah, they, I mean, they have them, as I always say, the babies are on ice, uh, the ice ice babies, as we call them. Uh, my friend who did them too, were like, we wonder if ours are like stored in the same place and they're like becoming friends already. They're besties uh, in the yeah, storage facility. Right, exactly. <laughs> Um, I don't know if they're somewhere in Austin in a facility. I don't know where. I know that you have to pay an annual storage fee, which I think is something like $1,000. I mean, this is not a cheap process by any stretch. And of course, if and when I do use these eggs, which maybe I'll never eat them, um, you know, IVF going through that process is wildly expensive and invasive too. So it's amazing that we have this technology but it's still a lot. Um, I mean, I hope ultimately someday I can get pregnant naturally, but it it's an incredible weight off my shoulders to know that I have this option. And like I said, in terms of dating and love and romance, it, it just gives me a peace of mind and I don't want to go into dating with that feeling of desperation. I, yeah. I mean, it's preventative and it's, ex- and it allows, it gives you the freedom and the flexibility and the power. It gives you back your power versus feeling like you have to hurry up and get everything done quickly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen, I, I truly believe the romantic partner you pick determines so much of your happiness in life. And I've seen people get it right and I've seen people get it wrong. And it's something that 
I want to get right. So I don't want to feel like I only have this finite amount of time to do it. Obviously, I don't have forever, but this gives me peace of mind and it does give me time and options, which is priceless. Yeah. Did you see that graph that was like going viral on um, social media? That's like really like who you pick to spend your life with, whatever capacity that looks like. Like the person you live with is like, you spent like you spend the most time alone, actually, which is like crazy as you age. So you have to get to know yourself and be good with yourself. And then the person that you choose to like be romantically involved with is also going to be someone you spend a lot of time with. And especially if you're going to have kids together, it's like a whole other, right? You know, yeah, you're not I, just picking I, your partner, you're picking your child's father, parent, yeah, father, yeah, parent. right? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it is interesting. Like you spend so much time with your immediate family until you're 18 and then that drops off. And spend a ton of time with your friends, but that drops off in your 20s or 30s. But your romantic partner, in theory, is someone who's going to be by your side for decades and decades and decades, you know, luckily or uh, hopefully, Hopefully. (laughs) Uh, you know, fingers crossed. So yeah, so it's something I really want to get right. Um, But it's amazing. You know, biology is not on our side. Unfortunately, it's so much easier for a teenager or someone in their early 20s to get pregnant, uh, which is incredibly unfair. But at least science is increasingly on our side in this regard. So it's cool. I'm grateful that I was born in this era where this is an option because I, you know, I made it, might have made different choices if not for this being an option. So I'm, I'm really grateful for it. That's so cool. My doctor actually just recommended like, okay, from now on, we're going to do like a yearly, um, like look at your AMA and look at your egg reserve. And like, we're going to start because I'll be 29 in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, she was like, you know, like, I hate to break it to you, but actually, like, your fertility is already declining. And I was like, what? And she was yeah. like, she was like, but we're just going to do this proactively so you have all the information and you can make choices accordingly. And, I, you know, I think that that's the key here. It's like, it can feel so scary, but it's just knowing. Like, yeah, say say you would have, like, just put it off and not known. And now a year later, you'd be like, oh, man, I wish I would have started that process a year ago, yeah. you know? Well- well, and it was interesting. Jennifer Aniston just came out with that. I know that interview where she, I mean, everyone had always said, oh, well, she just cares about her career and she doesn't want kids, which if she did just care about her career and didn't want kids, who cares? It's her life. None of it, your business. That's totally it, valid to not exactly. want kids and want your career. Right. But I mean, it was really interesting that it turns out she did want to have kids and she did go through the IVF process and try all the teeth and all the different things. And she had said, like, I wish I would have frozen my eggs. Like, I wish I had known that that was an option. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a struggle. And, and it's a good reminder that you never know what people are going through behind the scenes. So obviously, kindness is always important. Yeah. And like age, too. Like, I know people really focus on age, but like it goes back to that finite number. Like, you know, it does your age is a factor, but it also isn't at the same time. Like it's your personal body. So if you do know, like maybe you want to have kids, like why not just like see where you're sitting, like see where you're at and like make a plan based off that. Well, and that's what my doctor said. She was like, this doesn't have a bearing on fertility. You've never tried to get pregnant. You might get pregnant in a month or it might take two years and you don't know, but it's a good backup option. Um, and again, once I did those tests with AMH and with egg reserve, you know, ovarian reserve and everything like that and realized my numbers were a little bit lower, it felt even more important to me. You know what? I actually, this is like inspiring me. I have the like AMH and like the ovarian reserve test. Like it's sitting at my house, like the home one that my doctor told me to do. And it's been three cycles. I haven't done it. Yeah. 
because I'm nervous and like I'm speaking to myself here. Yeah, Yeah. it's It's scary. It's terrifying. And but I I think another thing I've learned since the pandemic, because I am sort of a like, I can be a little people pleasy and I can be a little like same. I'd rather not rock the boat or I'd rather not know. But I really do think knowledge is power. And even if it's not great news, if you're armed with that knowledge, you can be armed with choices, you know. Um, So I encourage people to bite the bullet and do it and not beat themselves up if your numbers are low. Like it is not your fault, (laughs) you know, but now you have that information and you can do something with it. And it's also cool. Like you said, it's not an indication of fertility necessarily. Like those, that, that was a big eye opener. My friend Whitney was teaching me about that. He's called the fertility nut is like her Instagram. She's really great. And she was telling me like those two things do not go together, but yeah, so it's I've had it for three months. It's sitting in my bedside drawer and you have to do it on cycle day three. It's like when you right. do the blood test and I just like keep looking at it and I'm like, okay, but I'm going to yeah. do it now. I'll do it now. Yeah, you, should, you should do it. Yeah, it's just good to know. Um, no, I'm, I'm fully supportive of it. I mean, part of me wishes I had done it sooner, but I wasn't there at that point, you know? Yeah, and you got eight beautiful little babies on ice. My little ice ice babies, yeah. I mean, honestly, now, I mean, it's at a point where I'm like, I'll tell the doorman about this. I'll tell, like, I kind of been just telling everybody, and I really want, and we've talked about this before, things to get normalized because we all go through all of these really intense things. And it seemed like for a long time, people weren't talking about it. And I think women in particular, everything from, you know, fertility, abortion, health issues, everything. Like, I want people talking about this stuff. It's important. And like, I'm really proud of you. And I appreciate you for like, you have been so open. Like, I remember we ran into each other, like we were still getting to know each other. And I was like, you know, how's it going? You're like, let me tell you. And I was like, this just makes me so happy. Because also like, just having more people in your corner, even if it's just for a conversation of like, okay, I'm thinking about you. That's great. Or like, yeah, that didn't go so well. I'm also thinking about you. Like, I think we underestimate how even just like acquaintances can really be helpful for each other. Totally. Yeah. And I had people that I didn't even know that well who had gone through it, who were, you know, giving me advice or just giving me support and anybody going through it. I'm like, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I've been through it. I'll tell you what I know, or I'll be there as like someone who can offer some emotional support because it is a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate you being here. I really appreciate you being here. Anything else you just like want to leave our period chats community with? Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I'm on Instagram at Madeline Holland. Feel free to reach out to me. Um, I can give you, you know, whatever advice or tips or support you may have. Um, As I've said, I mean, I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's not an easy process, but I absolutely think it is worth it if it's something that you know that you want to do or you know that you want to have the option of. And I, I would just say, don't let finances be such a barrier because if you really end up wanting to do this, you're probably going to end up doing it five years from now when the chances are going to be that much lower and it's going to cost that much more and you can finance it. And I think it's worth it. Or you can go work at Google. (laughs) Oh yeah. Or go work at Google. It's an option. Um, Well, thank you for coming on. And if you guys like this episode, don't forget to leave a review, send it to your friends. If you know someone who might be going through this and just needs a little encouragement, you know, always feel free to share. We appreciate you guys listening and being part of our community. So thank you, Madeline. Thank you.